Hello, it's Robert Bathurst here. I was one of the first guests on My Time Capsule, and Mike has asked me to tell you that you can now listen to the podcast ad-free by subscribing to Acast Plus. Details of how to join are in the description of each episode. Mike says it's very reasonably priced. In fact, Mike says it's a bargain. And who am I to disagree? Locked here in his cellar. Anyway, for a small subscription, Acast Plus, My Time Capsule, ad-free. Free. Unlike me. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, and welcome to My Time Capsule. I'm Mike Fenton-Stevens, and this is the podcast where I ask my guests to tell me the five things from their life that they would choose to preserve in a time capsule. They pick four things that they cherish and are important to them, and one thing that they would like to forget, something they'd want to bury in the ground and never have to think about again. My guest in this episode is the comedian and actor Tim Vine, the king of the one-liners, who has established himself as the rightful successor to Tommy Cooper. In fact, often some of his jokes are attributed to Tommy Cooper, which is clearly a sign of just how good they are. Tim is a regular performer in pantomime and performs his stand-up act all over the world, but especially at the Edinburgh Fringe, where he's twice won the best joke at the Fringe Award. My favourite being, I got rid of my hoover. Well, it was just gathering dust. Tim is often seen on television in such shows as Not Going Out and The Sketch Show, and on numerous occasions for comic relief. Tim plays guitar, piano and drums, and was in a punk band with his brother, the broadcaster Jeremy Vine, called The Flared Generation. Described in smash hits as the most unfashionable punk band in the country, which, if you think about it, is quite punk, actually. So here is the brilliant Tim Vine and his five things for a time capsule. I hope you enjoy it. My sister and my brother both had uh, chicken pox at the same time. And my mum said to the school, well, Timmy's obviously going to get it. So would you like us to keep him off, you know? And they said, uh, yeah, I think that's probably for the best. So I was kept off school. It was 1976, that fantastic summer. 
<laughs> I just sat in the garden <laughs> watching the builders. I just was getting browner and browner. I never got ill. <laughs> but, you know, looking back at it, you wonder, well, perhaps maybe I did, but I just didn't show it in the same way as... You know, maybe. maybe. I don't know. Or maybe you're super immune. Well... You're the saviour of the human race. That's what I've always thought, Tim. <laughs> well, that's one of the things I've got on the list, actually, funnily enough. <laughs> You're going to reveal your superpower. <laughs> yeah. I had glandular fever back in the day for a couple of months, and I, and I do wonder whether something like that still lurks somewhere, you know. Uh-huh. You've just blown the superpower theory. <laughs> I was so looking forward to that. <laughs> All right, shall we have a go at it? Let's have a go. Yeah, go for it, yeah. Let's see what you've got. Let's talk about five things you're going to put into a time capsule. Yes. Four things that you love and one thing that you really want to get rid of. Yeah, okay. Right, number one is, now, before I became a comedian, I sort of, uh, I say sort of, I wanted to be a pop star. So, um, (laughs) as I'm sure everyone I don't know why I laugh, sorry. (laughs) Yeah, exactly, yeah, thanks a lot. (laughs) Did you always want to be an actor in, in terms of showbiz or did you ever sort of think, didn't want to be a pop star. I would have liked to have been a singing star, yeah, in musicals, I think. Yeah, right, right. So I used to write a lot of songs, and I, and I record them all on cassettes and things. And then eventually, when I, had, I was under the misconception that if you just sing in your bedroom and write lots of songs, one day the knock would come on the door. Um, we, <laughs> we, we believe there's a boy in the back bedroom who's uh, writing songs we'd like to make a star out of. That's, that was never going to happen. Unless you live next door to George Martin. That's right, and then kept my window open. Yeah. But uh, unlike with comedy, where essentially it really would be pointless to write jokes and just tell them on your own in your bedroom. (laughs) And yet somehow it's the same principle, isn't it? That if you just write songs and sing them to no one, well, what was I expecting? Anyway, so eventually I kind of got sidetracked by discovering the comedy circuit and everything. And uh, I don't mean I discovered it like Christopher Columbus. I mean, I discovered it was there. (laughs) And uh, and so I got into all the whole adventure of doing comedy things. But I've got all these songs and I probably, I was trying to estimate how many I've got. I've got I've probably, well, maybe sort of 400, maybe 400 songs, maybe even more than that. And certainly lots of half songs as well. So well, I went through a habit of I would write a verse and a chorus. And then I think, well, that's that one. You know, I can finish that later. And, I'll, and then I'll do something. And then I'd go back and I'd write. So I've got lots and lots of unfinished ones. So I'd like to put all my songs in because in the back of my mind, there's this, just this nagging feeling there might be a real classic in there somewhere. I don't know which one it is. Graham Noon is a very good friend of mine who I, uh, um, he's got a, a studio that I, I first, when I was about 18, went to a local studio with my little MT40 Casio and recorded a song. And I met him there for the first time. He was the engineer. We became great friends, We're still friends now. He's now got his own studio and I still do all my, record all my things there. But I do say to him sometimes, you know, if we could just have one hit with one of these, I suddenly I'd be sitting on a gold mine. <laughs> so, so all my songs I, that, I just put them all in and maybe maybe the time capsule will be opened by a future John Lennon or someone and he'll say hey yes old Tim what you got to do with this one is uh, yeah. you know you need to do something a bit quirky at the end yeah no exactly yeah and you go that's what I always intended to do yeah <laughs> got up Get out of bed, get going, cast my head. That's it. Yeah, I've got it. I've got well, it. also, the other thing is, if it's in a time capsule for long enough, people might dig it up and go, ah, this must be what everyone was listening to back in the day. <laughs> it's what they preserved. Yeah. <laughs> Humanity has preserved these. They must exactly. be the greatest. <laughs> I mean, the fact that the, uh, the first song on the first cassette, I, I think it's called A Boy Who Is Not Loved, and it's... I am a boy who is not love. I mean, they're all whiny kind of, you know, they get slightly <laughs> less um, whiny and um, 
you know, nobody loves me and she's out of my league and all that sort of thing, you know. <laughs> they get slightly less like that as time goes on. I'm a middle-aged man who's still not loved. Yeah, exactly. I love that one. Yeah. <laughs> still not loved, <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm a, I was doing that. Yeah, I was updated. It's a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Well, I, I'm very happy to put all of your songs in. Well, that I'll would listen be great. to them first. Yes. Well, I, the other thing I need to do, actually, is, uh, um, which is a classic thing with tapes, isn't it? Is, is that I've got these um, 10 cassettes with, with 30 songs on each. So that's, one, that's yeah. where the main bulk of those, in fact, it's probably about maybe 350 on that, actually, or maybe more. And cassettes so i need to they've been there a long time some of them approaching 20 years and they're going to disappear and never be heard again they've got to be digitalized digitalizing yeah same with vhs isn't it you know well when they first started paying people for being on vhs the equity agreement that was developed and i know this through the pain i suffered as a result of it yeah the equity agreement was that they would pay you for it being released on video and any other form of reproduction yet to be discovered. Uh, yes, that's right, yeah. Which means that when they came along with DVDs and now they've got streaming and they've got online stuff and yeah. you've already been paid for it with the video. Yeah, and the yet-to-be-discovered thing, they also used to follow it up with an even more presumptuous thing where they'd say, in the universe, wouldn't they? In the universe, that's right. <laughs> so, yet to be discovered in the universe. Yeah, so, so in other words, <laughs> so that just in case... You know, someone, <laughs> someone happened to have uh, come up with something fantastic on the planet Jupiter. They need to have that covered as well. And when the aliens land yeah. and they immediately go, ah, oh, Mr. Bean. <laughs> and he suddenly goes, hang on a minute, I've been paid for this. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. They get across all of that, don't they? Yeah. The thing about the uh, the VHS thing, though, is that I occasionally walk past a shop that says, we will transfer your VHSs to digital. Mm. And then when I've inquired, it turns out they stick them in a jiffy and send them off somewhere, you know. And I think, I, you know, some of these sort of precious tapes and my cassettes and things, I don't want to have them in the postal system. <laughs> no. No, you were thinking they had a special machine at the bank. Yes. The other thing I did when I was in my, uh, my early 20s, and I thought that maybe I was writing some absolute classics on the, uh, <laughs> on the song front, I thought I'd heard that the way to um, copyright these things was uh, seal them in an envelope and put them in the bank. <laughs> so I got a cassette and uh, filled it with my songs, put it in an envelope, sealed it, and put it in the local bank, Cheam Branch of Lloyd's. Now, I've never taken it out. The Cheam Branch of Lloyd's has since closed. <laughs> oh, no. Someone told me randomly in a pub, because they used to work, they said, oh, by, by the way, uh, your envelope's now in uh, Worcester Park. And it's been there all these years, like over probably over 30 years now, this envelope of songs has been in a bank. So in a way, you have already put your songs into a time capsule. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> You've buried them in a vault. I never thought of that. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I'd like to put them all in. Okay. Whereas at the time, maybe I maybe I put 50 songs in. No, that's nowhere near enough. Yeah. Nowhere near enough, Tim. I mean, when you think of your output... It would be unjust on the world to deprive them of it. That's true. And, and also, is a time capsule, is that the same as copywriting something? Maybe it isn't. Well, I think once it's in there, it's got a, I'll put a date stamp on it. Oh, true. After that, there's the proof that you wrote it beforehand. So when somebody else, it's like that, um, that Richard Curtis film, when somebody else starts singing Yesterday in a pub, yeah. and nobody knows what it is, because there's been a time warp. Yeah. When they start singing Tim Vine songs in the future, and, and, and they're everywhere, you can say, hang on a minute. Mm. 
Mike, where did you bury that thing? And I'll be in an old people's home. <laughs> and I'll say, the what? The what, Tim? I'll be shaking right in the towels of your pyjamas. The time capsule, you old fool! <laughs> the other thing, uh, mm-hmm. sometimes, and this is a strange experience, sometimes I listen to the radio. Bear in mind, I've written so many songs. A Coldplay song came on the radio, and I remember thinking to myself, I, I came up with a tune quite similar to that in the late 80s. <laughs> <laughs> So I thought maybe I could release my tune. You know, they would then go, you can't do that. You ripped us off. And then I just refer them to the envelope in Lloyd's. Yes, of course. That's your own version of He's So Fine. What was that one? It goes, he's so fine. Gonna make him mine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know that one. Yeah, yeah. And then a few years later. Oh, you talking about George Harrison? Yeah. My sweet Lord. They did win, I think. I think they got a payment. I don't think I'm saying anything libelous. No, no. but, But in that situation, George Harrison... Possibly, I'm not saying he did, but possibly had heard he's so fine. Would be unlikely that he hadn't heard. Whereas it's the other way around. It would be similar if George Harrison had then turned up to court with a cassette recording of him doing My Sweet Lord before they wrote he's so fine. (laughs) And they go, I've had it all along. Yeah. I wonder if legally they would need to have heard it in order for it. Yeah, that's very interesting. That is interesting, isn't it? Whether you could get money out of Coldplay. Because well, they... no, probably Coldplay would say, how could we possibly have heard that if it was in an envelope in a branch <laughs> of Lloyd's in Cheam? <laughs> you say, not Cheam anymore, not mate. Not Cheam anymore. Maybe not even Worcester Park. <laughs> I haven't checked it. I think I'd pay seven quid a year to keep it in there as well. And then we look back at the background of all members of Coldplay <laughs> and to discover that one of them had a father who worked in a bank in Bromley. <laughs> yes. Well, I do happen to know, because I remember hearing a uh, Chris Martin uh, anecdote, that his brother works in a bank, actually, funny enough. Oh, well, let's stop the recording now. Let's come let's and get let's on research it. this. It's <laughs> worth a fortune. Uh, all I want is a 10% finder's fee. <laughs> <laughs> OK, we're going to put all your wonderful, wonderful songs. Yes, you definitely haven't heard them, have you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to spend a very happy, happy few hours going, where's the second verse? <laughs> yeah. Why didn't he write a second verse? Well, yeah, that's, yeah. I mean, uh, there's a lot of that are just verse and chorus, but there's a lot of completed ones as well. All right, they go into the time capsule. What a treasure this time capsule is already. <laughs> I look forward to finding out what number two is. Well, number two is in relation to my father. Now, my father, who died um, about two and a half years ago, he lectured at uh, a polytechnic and he lectured in structural engineering and also maths. And he was very into maths, particularly prime numbers. This became a slight obsession with him, prime numbers. Not only that, one of the great mysteries in maths is the pattern of the prime numbers. As you know, nobody to this day has found there is any pattern to them at all. My dad believed that he found the pattern. Brilliant. And he wrote a book which was slightly sort of uh, vanity publishing, The Pattern of the Primes by Guy Vine. He wrote this book, which uh, I think they print on demand on Amazon somewhere. Um, And uh, he often tells people how this sort of came to him suddenly. He was thinking about prime numbers and he was picking me up from school as it happens. And uh, he suddenly realised he was onto something. I got into the car and he excitedly told me, Tim, I've got it, you know, it's all this. And I'll just read you this tiny bit at at the end of the preface. I shall, it's just this, this reads like it's Faraday. This is not somebody, (laughs) bear bear in mind, everyone who read this, who were mathematicians, didn't think he was really onto anything. I mean, I'm trying to assume that maybe he was, and the time capsule 
you know, later in time, it'll be dug up and someone will go, look, he had something, you know. It's going to be Fermat's last theorem. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. He, and he loved yeah. that as well. He, he, yeah. Um, this, as I say, this it, it, deliberately dramatic, this is from my dad. I shall always remember with gratitude to God the early evening of Thursday, the 2nd of December, 1982. I was waiting to pick up my son from school, that's me, and was using the time as usual to think about the prize. Suddenly, I noticed something, dot, dot, dot. <laughs> that's the... <laughs> <laughs> Read that on. Is how, exactly. And uh, <laughs> so, and he's inscribed at the front, to, to Tim, here it is, this is your copy. I hope you find the second page as funny as the first, good love, Dad. So, so I mean, I, I, uh, I'm very, very close to my dad, and he, he sort of introduced me to Bill Coe and, you know, comedy generally. <laughs> Had a great sense of humour. Not introducing real, not in real life, Phil Silvers. I mean, the program. Into the program. <laughs> um, Hi, Jim. This is Phil Silver. He's come around for a cup of tea. Yes, exactly. Here he is. You know, so my sort of a lot of my early uh, comedy uh, education came from my dad. Um, so this thing here, the pattern of the primes. I think, and I'm holding on to the possibility that he really was onto something, and I'd like that to go into the uh, time capsule for uh, and see whether or not in the future. Uh, it is the case that he discovered the Battle of the Primes. Yeah, very good. Why not? I'm sort of excited, I think, by the fact that he thanks God, which is unusual among scientists. Yes, well, but he, he was a man of great faith, my dad. In fact, every day you'd get up at six, make himself a cup of coffee and read the Bible. That's how he started every day. So he's a very strong Christian. And um, so, you know, in so many ways, very inspiring to me as a son. But I love that sense of adventure, the, the sense of sort of, you know, I've done, I've done it, Tim, that whole, whole thing. You know, it's, I'm just like, it's great yeah. eccentricity about it. You know. Also, I love the fact that he would spend his spare moments thinking about such an extraordinary thing. Yes, exactly, yeah. I mean, without people doing that, those things would never be solved. Exactly that. And it's always individuals who, who get those things, never never committed to it. The other thing, no. the, right, the, the front is right, says, I, I thank my long-suffering wife and family who have had to endure many of my crazies over 45 years, the longest one by far being about prime numbers. I must also thank the many brave friends who have kindly dared to ask, how are the primes going? And I'm sure came to regret it a few minutes later. <laughs> it, was a kind of, it was a sort of standing family joke, but, oh, don't ask him that, you know, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant. I really like the sound of your dad. He was great, yeah, great fun. Just that thing of, of actually taking himself very seriously while at the same time taking the mickey out of himself. Uh, exactly, yeah, yeah. That's a great skill. I mean, there were so many funny stories about my dad. He was, he was a very sort of um, worry-free sort of man. You know, I think my mum did most of the worrying in the family, but my dad <laughs> had this sort of very carefree attitude, but also a sense of, I mean, he, got, he asked me strange One time he said to me, he said, he said, Tim, if I, uh, if I walk out of my work at college and I turn left... I go down the corridor, down some steps, through the little door, down another corridor, turn left, and I'm in the canteen. If I go out of my workroom and turn right, I go down another corridor, through double doors, through another corridor, through a door there, and I also end up in the canteen. But am I a different person? <laughs> <laughs> Does he order a different lunch? Would yes, you? exactly. Yeah, yeah. Coming from that direction, it's sausage and mash. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> you were ended up the wrong end of the queue. <laughs> yeah. So your mum did the worrying and your dad had the time to think about things like that. Yes, I think so, yeah. I mean, he just was a carefree, happy-go-lucky sort of person. Lovely. But this represents that he was a, a dreamer as well, a dreamer that he could do something big and make a big difference. You know, And I love that whole sort of, we all laughed about it and he laughed about it. But somewhere in there, there was also this sort of, you know, determination that 
that he would, would do. I mean, one of the theorems that uh, he thought a lot about towards the end of his life was Goldbach's theorem, which is that every even number can be expressed as the sum of two primes. Now, no one has yet found an even number which doesn't fit that, but it's a case of proving it. And uh, it's one of the, uh, I, think I think Time magazine listed 10 still unsolved big mathematical problems. And if you solve any one of them, you'd get a million dollars, you know, and that was one of them. Mm. But my dad was kind of, you know, he sometimes he'd think, that's my phone going off, <laughs> Time magazine. Um, but uh, <laughs> I want to see the book now. Let me see the book. <laughs> Um, but um, I like that thing of reaching for something that, that you haven't quite attained yet. Do you think you apply this mathematical sort of detailed working system to your writing of jokes? Uh, well, there's a sort of maths to it. I mean, there's a, there's a sort of formula to it. But um, no, actual maths is more mathematical than jokes. <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah. I mean jokes have a, you, you have to obey one or two laws, I think, or rules, shall we say, when writing a joke. You know, things like it's best not to put words that are in the punchline in the setup, and there should be a bit of a rhythm to it, for one-liners anyway. Mm-hmm. But even so, lots of those, even those rules are kind of made to be broken. Absolutely. It's yeah. some... <coughs> oh, excuse me. I hope you're going to make it to the end of the interview there, Mike. Yeah, that's a COVID. <laughs> that's it. Yeah. I'm a goner. Yeah, sometimes sometimes with a joke, it is best to absolutely break the rules, isn't it? it yeah, It's exactly, the breaking yeah. of the rule that, that catches the audience and they don't know it's going to happen. It yeah, comes yeah. Along. I do remember spending um, a lunchtime with you Though, uh, <laughs> Though doing, hello. Uh, not, yeah, <laughs> this is doing not going out. Ah, yes. There was a sort of a lull. You went, well, come on, let's write some jokes. <laughs> and I went, oh, wow. And that reminds me of your dad now thinking about it, that thing of, you know, well, I mean, we've got some time on our hands. Well, do you know what my dad loved? He loved having a pad of paper and going in a, uh, a coffee shop, have a coffee there and just scribble away some thoughts. And, and I like that too. Now, he would be scribbling away maths, but I do love that thing of, you know, have a little notebook, get a coffee, sit in a Cafe Nero or whatever, and just scribble down some ideas, you know. It's fun, isn't it? It is fun. I mean, one thing I've got of my dad's, which I thought was hilarious, was a pad of paper, and it was quite a a thick pad. And the first page of the pad, he'd written Goldbach's theorem, my thoughts so far, or something like that. And he'd sort of written it in slightly sort of swirly writing. He'd obviously put a bit of effort into the typing. And then you turn over, and the whole rest of the book, nothing in it. <laughs> That's as far as you've got that day. <laughs> That's very good. Very funny. Do you know, I still remember the joke that I came up with, and I offered it to you. I oh, remember. yes, go on. And I remember you going, hmm. <laughs> it was, when I was a boy, my dad said I should train myself as a mattress maker, and then I'd always have something to fall back on. Aha, Yes. Well, I, I probably went, hmm, because i heard a version of it before. It's probably similar to something else, is it? Did I not make it up, is what we're saying. Funny enough, connected with Lee as well, Lee Mack, was, we were in a thing called The Sketch Show back in the day. Mm. And Jim Tabaret was in a, a sketch where he has a mattress attached to his back. And someone says to him, you know, what are you doing or something? And he goes, well, it's always good to have something to fall back on. Ah, there you are then. So he had the thing attached. It was like a big prop joke, you know, as opposed to just a verbal one-liner. Yeah. I mean, the problem is there are only so many sayings in the world. Well, there are. You... That's true. And, and I find that sometimes to find something new, you have to go into the minutiae a little bit sometimes, or not even do wordplay. I mean, wordplay, as you say, if you're going to be uh, playing on phrases, they, eventually the phrases sort of run out. But, <laughs> yeah. Um, but, I mean, I had a joke about um, Placido Domingo had to... Uh, Terrible acne. And um, Pavarotti walked into the room. He also had terrible acne. The two of them were drawn towards each other until their faces were touching. And we know why that is. 
opposites attract. <laughs> now, now, in a situation like that, you've sort of gone into the words a little bit, you know. Yeah. It's very, very, very detailed, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. And I sometimes, when we're on tour, and there's three of us who go on tour, me and uh, John Archer, who does the first half, and um, Jobbins, who is our tour manager, and we, we're, we're all great friends and stuff. It's good fun. And uh, sometimes we're making up jokes during the day. I'll, I'll make up some joke or other. And then I quite often follow it with, it's just rhyming, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> very good. See, but the moment you started telling that uh, joke, I thought you were going to go somewhere along the line of it having no effect on him because he was a placido. Uh, ah, that's a good, yeah, yeah, that's good. Placido well, effect. Yeah, 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 the placido, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, I've heard that before. There we go. There we are. Write it down. Although the, the only thing about that is, 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 he, is he famous enough anymore? But I suppose that he would be if you given it. Yeah, if you were given a pill called Domingo, uh, hoping for the Ooh. placido effect. <laughs> there we this are. New Domingo pills. You've honed it. Yeah. I said to the doctor, I said, this Domingo pill you've given me, is it a placebo? It doesn't seem to be working. Is it a placebo? That's very good. All right. He's going to write it down. I'll scribble that one down with your permission, of course. It's my gift to you as a thank you for doing this uh, thing. And in fact, you well, came up with a joke anyway. So, <laughs> not at all. No, no, you said you did the key bit, which is the fact that placebo sounds a bit like placebo. Yeah. It's just rhyming. <laughs> just rhyming. <laughs> right, we're going to put the, the pattern of the primes goes into the time capsule. Brilliant. Your dad's book. So what's next? Okay, we're going to take a tiny pause here for some adverts, um, and I'll try and write a joke for Tim. We'll be back in a moment. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Welcome back. And as the barman said to the Chihuahua, why the tiny paws? Yeah, you're right. Let's get back to the man who can really write jokes and see what else Tim Vine would like to put in his time capsule. So number three is actually my, my sister, Sonia, She's very good at getting presents. She always gets me quirky presents. It would be it'll be something like a, a box and you open it up and it just has a panic button in it or a um, <laughs> just funny stuff. And she gave me these two mugs. Now before I show you what's written on them, 
Um, I should, I'm going to make it. Sorry, let me, let me. I'm doing it like it's visual all the time, aren't I? You must, you <laughs> must pick right. me up on it if I go. Look at this. Those of you listening in, hear that? <laughs> Those two mugs there. Um, you know, some I don't know whether they still exist. They have like a shop in the in the high street where you go in and you and you can put your own design on a cup and they put it in a kiln and you take kids and they paint on them and stuff. Anyway, so she's painted on these two cups two little phrases, which in a way I find are quite a good mantra for living. One says, write some jokes, <laughs> and the other one says, get some fresh air. And I think that those two things, if you this this pair of mugs are is as good advice for life, really. And for, for write some jokes, you, you could you could substitute that for be creative. You know, I think we're all born to be creative, and most people are not really familiar with that, which is sad, isn't it? I mean, everyone's creative. Well, it's not just some I, I always think it's slightly odd when people say, well, he's a creative person, he's not so creative, and he's we're all creative. It's just some people have been given permission to realise it, and, and others, <laughs> and others sort of they tell themselves they're not, and so they don't do it. Um, so I think that, that those two things there get some fresh air is another wonderful thing. Getting outside and you know listening to the birds. Um, mm. In fact, you can combine both: get some fresh air and write jokes while you're out there. <laughs> <laughs> if you could only go outside once you'd written a joke. Mm. then you'd be like Pavlov's dog or something, wouldn't you? You'd, yes. The moment you wrote a joke, you'd say, oh, so I've got to get out. I've got to get out. That's right. I mean, perhaps when you're halfway through the joke, you could open a door, <laughs> put one leg out. They don't actually hold uh, any liquid anymore. Both of them have got cracks in and, and they leak. So sadly, I can't use them as uh, actual coffee cups anymore. But but I really, there's something uplifting about those two messages there that uh, remind me of, for me personally, it's just a, a healthy thing to do to be productive in a creative way not spend too much time watching telly perhaps and uh, and um get outside so in fact for you then the whole period of lockdown and you know nothing else going on outside you know has that been a good get outside time yeah i mean I, i'm lucky i've got a little garden so that helps um i also think comics i i haven't i don't even know this is true i haven't done a straw poll of comics but but I think comics are slightly used to kind of pottering around at home for hours and anyway. <laughs> so I'm not sure. But I think for some comics, it's let's not say all of them, it's not been the hardest thing in the world. You know, as I said to a few people, I've, I've been socially distancing for about the last 30 years. So <laughs> just more of the same. Um, but uh, I love my gardens, but I, I tend to go for the overgrown garden. I don't, um, the lawns disappeared really. They're very hard to culture, aren't they, those overgrown gardens? You've got to really know what you're doing. Yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> but it's funny as well, is that what used to be termed as neglecting a garden is now seen as cultivating a meadow and being very trendy, you know. <laughs> yes. You're being very kind to wildlife and stuff. And, you know, and I've seen the odd hedgehog in my garden over the last couple of years, every now and again. Like, the other thing I have this, not that there's anything unusual about having bird feeders, but I have these bird feeders outside my window. And this is gang of sparrows arrive. Every now and again, they come on mass, you know, like 15 of them. And I call them the chirrup gang because they just make a racket and they're great. I love them. Yeah. So I just, I generally, um, I, I had a tag. I, I used to have a nickname a little bit um, when I was younger. I was like a bit of a nature boy. And I used to really hate that tag. I used to think, I'm not a nature boy. But, but actually, uh, I think that's a nice thing to be uh, referred to. It is. I think I was a bit of a nature boy. Well, you're right. You know, in a way... I use nature to uh, not have to look at anything else. I'm watching for birds. <laughs> yeah. I could keep my head down. Yes. But um, I've got a friend who just the other day, it's funny you should talk about sparrows, but just the other day, he was saying that he lives in a street where the sparrows don't come on his side of the street. Really? Yeah. 
Well, just, surely is that just to do with the fact that there's trees on one side but not the other? I think it must be. Or, or I said to him, is it because they're Cockney sparrows and that they feel out of place in your big posh house? <laughs> they're okay, we can't go over there, mate. It can't go over there. That's the posh house. Yeah, no, no, leave it no, out. No. We stay over here and cheer it. Come on, cheer it. Let's cheer it down this side of the street. That's what I think is exactly. It may be that. I mean, I may have slightly anthropomorphized them. That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I don't think I've ever heard that used as a verb, even so I'm impressed <laughs> doubly that you recalled anthropomorphism, whatever. <laughs> but anyway, so those two things, I, I, it's an uplifting little thing. And I love my sister as well, so obviously I do. And so when I look at that, it makes me think of her as well. So. Yeah. They're great mugs. Yeah. I think they're a lovely thing to have got. And uh, what a shame you didn't take care of them. <laughs> <laughs> okay, they go into the time capsule, cracks and all. Yes. Now, number four, would you like to hear the fourth thing? Yes, please. <clears throat> now, I've done, I've done quite a bit of homework listening to your podcast and very much enjoying other episodes. And I've noticed that you're allowed to put in a feeling. Yes. Uh, it doesn't have to be a physical thing. So I wanted to put in, just to, well, to summarise it in one word, gratitude. My gratitude, I feel, for... Uh, I know it sounds a bit poncy that I've said that now. No, I've come out with that. I feel like I'm right in you. But what I mean is, I, I feel... I do feel like I... It's... I suppose what I, I... Let me tell you something that happened to me when I was... When I had been doing comedy for about a year. I'd done a place called Up the Creek. I absolutely stormed it that night. I was driving home. It was a summer's night. I was thin. I had blonde hair. I had a tan. I was wearing a tatty suit and a shirt. And I, and I was driving along... With the windows open and i saw a place that sold pizza and i got out and i ordered a massive pizza and i remember i had front driver door open i was sitting down on the driver's seat with my feet on the floor eating this massive pizza and i remember thinking to myself that i was very lucky that i just had, i think i was looking at the gig i'd just done thinking that i pretty much again without trying to sound like i'm over analyzing it too much but i felt like i had all i wanted the fact that i can remember thinking something at that you know, you have these moments where you feel like, oh, this is, you know, I feel really happy at the moment, you know. Yeah. Not that I don't sort of, I'm not, I'm, I'm a fairly happy sort of chappy anyway, actually, I'm fortunate in that, in that regard. But but it was just a moment like that. And I had a similar sort of thing, like on my, my 50th, I organised a party because no one else was going to. So <laughs> I organised a party. I thought, I thought I hadn't really done it for my 40th or my 30th or even my 21st, actually. And I thought, I'm going to get all my friends and families. We had a fantastic night. And I just thought that nights where you feel like, you know, I want to say that I feel like I feel very blessed, you know, but at the same time, I feel very lucky. Now, if you feel like you're blessed, obviously that suggests you feel like God has said, I'm going to give you this. And I do believe that God has given us things. But at the same time, there's something very random about life. And the older you get, the more you realize how random it is, actually. And why is it that... Some people get so much and some people get so little. And it seems to me to be an utter lottery, that side of it. Even if you believe in God, it seems to be a lottery as to who gets what. I mean, I have done things to deserve all the things I've got. So, you know, maybe many, many years from now, when this time capsule is dug up, people will uh, have forgotten to be grateful. And so I'm just putting gratitude in. It's, it's nice. Also, because there may come a time if life continues to improve, which would be the hope of humanity. Yeah, yeah. It is possible to argue that life has made this journey of improvement up until about the last year. (laughs) (laughs) It dropped off a cliff. Yeah, but your hope for humanity is that that would continue, that actually life would get better and better for your grandchildren and their children. Mm. It is possible that actually they'll get there and they'll go, wow, look at this man being grateful when he was sitting in that awful, polluting Mm. car (laughs) 
maybe it's more of a selfish thing. Maybe rather than sounding too grand and saying I want to put gratitude into a tiger, maybe I just want to somehow put those moments of gratitude, that that feeling you have where you just feel like I've got a lot. You know? Yeah, but it's, you're lucky when you get them. I think. Of course you are. Yeah. Well, a lot of people are never very happy with their lot. No, I agree. Well, who was it? Which, was it Roosevelt or one of them who said folks are as happy as they want to be? Who was it who said that? I think it was me. <laughs> But I think there's some truth to that, although you could argue this, it's also a bit unfair on people who, you know, because life is unfair. But I'm sure we both know people who've got outwardly absolutely everything and they seem to be miserable. Yeah. And then we know people who live very simple lives in the sense that they don't earn much and they don't own much. Mm. And yet they're incredibly happy. Yeah. And then that all brings us down to uh, what is success? I mean, you get to a point where you've got enough money to eat and you've got somewhere to live and stuff like that. After that, it's it's not really about the size of your car or whatever, is it? No. It's about how happy you are. No. And yet, when people open the Tim Vine time capsule, Tim Vine's time capsule has been discovered at last. Yes, I'm beginning to wonder whether gratitude was a good one. <laughs> <laughs> you ungrateful good-for-nothing, honestly. <laughs> they're going to have a bit of a problem the people who open this time capsule and they're going to listen to my songs first and then have to feel a sense of gratitude <laughs> <laughs> also having read your dad's book yes exactly yeah yeah <laughs> it didn't make any sense at all <laughs> well that was one of the things i think is hilarious about is that the, the, on the first page of the actual book it sort of makes a lot of sense and then the very last line of the first page it is gobbledygook <laughs> and i said i said, said to my dad i said i don't look i it's all going great. And then the last line of the first page, I don't understand. It's an <laughs> equation I don't understand. <laughs> That's how quick it is. You know. I mean, I've had that book for ages, and the bookmark is still, I think it's about page 28. So I still have to finish it. <laughs> well, just be grateful for it. That's all I say. That's it, yeah. Indeed. Okay, we're going to put gratitude in as well, Tim. That's yes, very good. I mean, just those moments of gratitude. That was, uh, those moments yeah, of gratitude. Lovely. So we've done four things, which means we have yes, to put have. something that you don't want to keep as it were. Yes. Now, this is a slightly odd one. I always wanted to make a, uh, a feature film, and uh, I've made two attempts at it. I did one, and I no, did, then did a second one. The second <laughs> one was called Fear Moth. <laughs> and both of them were about an hour and 20 minutes long. I just felt like doing something, attempting it, you know. And uh, the second one I made was called Fear Moth. And it, basically, the story is about a, uh, a giant moth is attacking a small village, and I'm the manager of the light bulb shop, so I get blamed for it. <laughs> in a nutshell. But I, I didn't want to have any CGI, so I got someone, brilliant prop maker called Stephen Webster, to make a moth for me. And uh, it was a huge moth from wingtip to wingtip, four metres long. I put it on a crane. It was a 40-metre crane, and we'd swing it in during scenes, you know, <laughs> scenes, and nothing looks less lifelike than this thing coming in, not, not back in its wings. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, once we finished filming that thing, I had this enormous moth. Frankly, there's not enough room to keep it in this house at all. So a friend of mine who runs an event company in Chessington said he'd put it in his uh, warehouse. So he put this moth in his warehouse. He takes the wings off. So he put, it's, it's not it's literally like this, but it's wings out. It's a bit more uh, compact. He's also got the pupa. Um, and, he, <laughs> and he's got... Now, I keep saying to him, look, I'm happy to pay for you to keep it, you know, whatever storage for each year and he doesn't want to take any money and i feel like the reason he doesn't want to take any money is because he wants me to take the moth back now <laughs> my point is i can't keep the moth here 
He doesn't want it in the warehouse. I don't want to sell it on eBay because I'm worried if I sell the moth on eBay, someone might make their own better moth film using my moth. <laughs> so, but I don't want to throw the moth away. I have a script here that somebody sent me called Terror Moth. I don't know if that's <laughs> a very good script. Exactly. <laughs> so I'd like to put, and I hope there's space in the time capsule, but I'd like to put that giant moth in the time capsule. It gets it out of the way. Yeah. And once I'm no longer here and the time capsule is opened, then they are free to do what they want with the moth. Mm -hmm. But currently, I haven't got the heart to throw it away. I don't want to sell it in case someone does something more interesting with it than I do. And I haven't got anywhere to store it. (laughs) (laughs) So basically, given the opportunity to get rid of something from your life that you'd be glad to see the back of, you're just using my time capsule as a storage device. (laughs) Well, up until the point it's open, and then someone may be able to use it. That's what a time capsule is. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and hang on a minute, I found the perfect theme tune amongst these 7,000 songs that I've got here. <laughs> you can ride on the moth listening to the music while feeling grateful and knowing about primes <laughs> and, and drinking very quickly out of two leaky cups. It's spilling everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, it's, I agree. I've not quite... Uh, some would say I understood the brief, but, but I mean, I, 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 am, I am getting rid of something that I don't want, which is the hassle of knowing what to do with a moth. And the feeling of being guilty about your friend having to hang on to it. and use Exactly, it. Yeah, that, well. exactly that. He's, he's got a giant pupa there as well. He's got the moth. He also has a hoover with the face of a buffalo on the front, which I used to do a, um, what a new hoover is. Bison was the joke about it being a dice bison, but it's a fantastic looking thing. Big face of a bison on the front. But again, I didn't really have space for it. It also has a slightly musty smell, so I thought that could go in the warehouse as well. (laughs) Whoever made it may have made it out of an actual head of a buffalo. It stinks. I've got a friend who puts on pantomimes. Mm. He may well be willing to take these things off your hands. Yeah, but exactly. But I don't want them. Because I don't want someone taking them and... um, And turning them into a brilliant routine. Exactly, yeah. And you say, no, no, no. This is meant for nothing more than a second-rate film. I'm sorry to be so rude. Now, wait a minute. Now I'm wondering whether you have seen it. <laughs> I tell you what, if you had seen it, it would never score so high as second rate. But it is, uh, it is unusual, and it is, may I say, free to watch on YouTube. Fantastic. An hour and 22 minutes long. An hour and 22 minutes. Perfect. <laughs> Nothing will make the time pass quicker than Fear Moth. <laughs> it was going to be called Behemoth, question mark, but uh, people weren't really familiar with Behemoth. Well, I am, but, you know... Well, you're intelligent, my my uh, <laughs> my audience. <laughs> well, fear moth. All right, everybody's going to watch that now before we put that moth away, and then people will say, "Whatever happened to the moth? Whatever happened to the moth?" Yeah. If you say, well, "We have no idea. Yeah. It's buried somewhere." Is that the thing about time capsules? That people are supposed to not know what goes in them. Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah. This is between you and I. Yeah. And if anybody's listening in, just stop it right away. Right away, you'll be in big trouble. Hasn't Dolly Parton written a song or something she's put in a time capsule? Has she? Yeah, and she hasn't let anyone listen to it, and it's been put in this time capsule, and and it'll be opened on such and such a date in the future. I hope it's not called Boy Who Nobody Loves. (laughs) A boy who is not loved. Please get the title. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Please get it right. You know, (laughs) how could I forget that? (laughs) Tim, it's it's been really great talking to you. Thank you for taking part in my time capsule. It's been a joy. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you, Mike. That was easy, wasn't it? Brilliant. Well, good luck editing that. 
You have been listening to My Time Capsule with me, Mike Fenton-Stevens, and my guest, Tim Vine. If you enjoyed it, then please do tell your friends. And there are lots of other episodes available for you to download, so why not subscribe on Acast or your own favourite podcast provider? If you do, please take a moment to review the show and to rate us, as the success of all podcasts is, strangely, reliant on that happening. So we'd be grateful. Thanks. And you can follow us on all the usual social media by searching for at MyTCPod or at Fenton Stevens. You can hear the theme tune to this podcast by Pass the Peas Music in full on Spotify if you look for My Time Capsule theme tune. This has been a cast of production and the producer was John Fenton Stevens. Thank you for listening. Now, I've said it before and I'll almost certainly say it again, but why are you listening? Is it because you like the little advert that sometimes comes at the end? That one. All right, I have to admit that I do that too. But I have an excuse. I get paid if there's an ad. You, you're just weird. But that's why I love you. And nothing superficial. Oh no, this is deep, deep love. Honestly. You're also quite gullible as well. Bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 